Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. In this episode, we are going to be talking about metabolism, but something so much deeper than that. We are going to be talking about mindset and the mind-body connection, manifesting, journaling, self-care, and really we call it Megan's 2.0. We're going to hear a little bit about her life transformation. But Megan Hansen, she founded Metabolism Makeover. She is a registered dietitian, and she has helped thousands of women reset their metabolic health. She is queen of reverse dieting and simplifying nutrition. Gone are the days of eating less than exercising more. I encourage you guys, if you're interested in this episode, to go back and listen to our previous episode together on protein, healthy fat, and fiber, and uh, get her book. Her book, Metabolism Makeover, is sold at every single bookstore that I'm aware of, and it's fantastic. You can get it on Amazon. That is where I got my copy. But she really is about stopping the diet movement and understanding the science behind our metabolism. So you guys are going to love this episode. Let's welcome Megan and kick right in. You guys, this episode is going to be amazing because we are going to talk all things metabolism, personal growth, mindset, total body and mind transformation with Megan today. So welcome to the Little By Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kristen. I wanted to first jump into like, what is metabolism? This I know you talk about all the time, but I think there's a like a lot of misused words when it comes to metabolism and weight loss. So let's just jump in and talk about what is metabolism. The way that I look at metabolism is it's literally just everything that we put into our mouth and how our body uses it to function. So I think we think about metabolism as something that makes us either lose or gain weight. And yes, there is an element of that, of course. But really, I like to think of it as we have to use the calories that we consume to pump blood to breathe, to think, to, and whenever I'm talking about this, I use my hands to talk all the time. You can't see that, but like to use your hands to talk, (laughs) to walk. So when we're not eating enough, those systems can suffer and it can come through in our energy levels. Um, It can, you know, decrease our metabolic rate so that our our bodies can actually downregulate and start to require less calories in order to be able to do all these functions that actually keep us alive. So I think shifting your focus from just my metabolism is either fast or slow to my metabolism is literally keeping me alive is really, really helpful. And thinking about it from a performance standpoint, you know, when you were talking and thinking about how our metabolism impacts the way our brain, like the glucose to our brain and our muscles for like athletic performance, mental performance, I think we need to think a little bit, and you do such a good job of this metabolism makeover movement of women, let's eat, right? Like let's eat because I can't tell you how many women I've met with that struggle with anxiety. And when I talk with them, I'm like, listen, you eat one meal a day. And you're anxious. 
So why don't we just like forget doing labs? Let's forget supplements. Like, why don't we just start eating three meals and see if you feel better? And some of my patients have told me my coworkers even notice a difference because I started eating breakfast. Yes. <laughs> I know like, this whole movement over the last several years of intermittent fasting. And I I know that there are definitely benefits to it. I'm not sitting here to trash it. But that is one of the first things I'll tell women when they come in. I'm like, let's just first eat breakfast. Like stop, stop intermittent fasting, start eating breakfast, and let's just see what happens. And let's just see how you feel. And then of course they almost always come back and they're like, oh my God, I'm not having this massive energy crash in the afternoon anymore. I'm actually starting to see some weight gain or excuse me, some weight loss. So or weight gain if they're trying to build muscle. Or weight gain if they're trying to build muscle. Because I, mean, I see that sure. too, that yeah. women are like, I am not, I can't gain muscle. I'm working out every yeah. single day. And I'm like, well, what are you eating? Yeah. A lot of times, actually, what I see when people start adding in breakfast is body composition changes. So maybe the scale remains the same, but they're maybe losing a little bit of fat and they're starting to actually gain that muscle because you can't gain muscle. Nothing you're going to do in the gym is going to go anywhere if you're not eating enough calories. Yes. Well, and I think when you look at the metabolic pyramid that you show. Um, is it a pyramid or like a, when you talk about the, it's so much of it as our resting metabolic state, right? Yes. And then we've got the neat factor and we've got exercise, but I think we put so much emphasis on eating less and exercising more. And that just minimizes the largest portion of our metabolism, right? Yes. That basal metabolic rate just declines. So there's this huge movement that I'm super excited about that you are very aware of, but is reverse dieting, right? This concept of reverse dieting and eating more. How, I think one of the hardest things that we see in patients is the belief that A, it's going to work, you know, to start being comfortable to eat more when they feel like, Kristen, I'm not losing weight and you're wanting me to gradually be eating more. That sounds counterintuitive. So like one, like how long does this process take? Do you have any recommendations on how slow, like, do we need to add, you know, 200 calories or just one protein snack? Kind of walk through what you see in the reverse dieting space. Yeah, we actually just started implementing this a lot more in my practice because I asked my coaches recently, just to, I was curious, I was like, how many of our clients coming in wanting to lose weight are actually under eating? And they told me anywhere from 90 to 95%. And I was like, what? <laughs> we need to address this more. I knew it would be a lot, but I did not realize it was going to be that much. So what we do is, I mean, first of all, it takes a lot of mindset work, of course, and and, and talking the clients through what this is going to take. And yes, you can actually, you can absolutely reverse diet without gaining weight, maybe a couple of pounds, but it's, it's going to come back off. So it, it's really just, it's getting your body back in that prime metabolic place where you can then start losing weight. You are not going to lose weight if you are under eating already. Like you have to get it back up to that place where your metabolism is actually functioning again. So we do it really slowly. I mean, um, you know, typically it's like 50 calories a week and we'll just, you know, monitor and see if the scale goes up, you know, more than 1% of body weight in a week, then okay, we'll just stay here again. And then we'll stay the next week and we'll, as long as it takes, and then another 50 calories and another 50 calories. Um, all the while making sure that we're eating enough protein. So we'll do like protein calculations and make sure you know, based on their weight, based on their muscle mass, they're eating enough protein. And then those calories typically come from carbs or fat. Yes. 
So what are your thoughts? I don't know if you've seen the new Netflix documentary. Um, have you been getting a lot of people asking about this? You are what you eat, the identical twin study. I haven't. No. Okay. So for you guys listening, if you haven't watched this, it's a really well done study by Stanford. They actually look at the gut microbiome. They look at metabolic state, but it's only an eight week plan. And they put the identical twins on a omnivore diet and a vegan diet. And they look at some of these data points. And I always think this is really interesting because there's a lot of data that there's benefits in plant-based, right, when it comes to our heart health, our gut microbiome. But we know in the weight loss space, the metabolic state, the muscle mass, you need the animal proteins for the amino acids. And so they basically, at the end of this eight week, are favorable on the vegan diet. And so a lot of my patients have been coming in asking questions about this. And I think that for me, I'm like, I really want to do another study where we do follow the exact same principles of the vegan diet, but we add meat on top of it. Yes. And so that you're still getting the fiber and the vegetables. And then two, making sure is that meat, good quality meat, because there's so many intricacies of diets. And so when you really look in the research, the amino acids are obviously critical to metabolic health. So it sounds like you've not been getting a lot of questions about this yet, but you probably will. I'm sure I will. Yeah. What is your feedback to kind of this eight-week study? Is it similar to what I was just saying, or do you have any other thoughts on the vegan omnivore space? I would also really, you know, eight weeks is just to me, that's not long enough. I'd want to see this. I mean, I'd want to see at least a year. And like, what is it actually doing to um, muscle tissue? You know, are we are we losing muscle? Are we maintaining it? Um, gaining muscle with a vegan diet. It's certainly not impossible. We know it's not impossible. Definitely more challenging. I think with it and and with, with studies like that too, I always think about you are being prescribed a specific diet and you're, they're probably being given the food. I'm not exactly sure, but when you're out in the real world, it's really difficult to get the amino acids that you need to build muscle and to and to stay and not just not just that but also the satiation factor that comes along with eating enough protein um when you're in the real world like how difficult is that and that's a big thing with clients that I have come to me that are vegan and they're struggling with they're like you know like am i am i getting enough am i getting enough amino acids am i i'm not staying full i'm you know my my gut has been bothering me because they're maybe they're eating too much fiber and they have gut issues and so there's just a lot of factors that i think it's it's so easy to just say like oh yeah go eat a vegan diet but then you're well and wouldn't you say one of my big takeaways when i finish that too is if you're having these people that have followed no diet plan you know like let's just say they eat a sad diet Yes. You know, are these identical twins going in with a standard American diet and then they're only eating plants? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so (laughs) anti-inflammatory. So I just, I always have with these studies so many follow-up questions. And also there's no, again, to your point, the long-term studies, but they also were not tracking in the eight weeks, which I think would be interesting longer term blood results too. So like B12, yeah. B9, magnesium levels, you know, iron levels, like how long term. So that's something maybe it's that we'll do at some point is Well, I don't know, it, you know, when you work with clients that have been vegan for long a long time, what we typically see it's it, it does take a while. It takes a couple of years typically for them to when you know, if we'll do like an HTMA with them and it's like, "Oh my god, you're so depleted. Like this is why you feel like crap." 
But three weeks after you started that vegan diet, you felt great. Yes. You know, and so that's where I'm like, I want to see something a little longer term. Well, and I don't know if I've shared on this episode before or even with you, but I was vegetarian and then moved into vegan for nine years when I was um, marathon training. Oh I was my teaching gosh. fitness classes because I've never, I actually still to this day don't like meat. I truly eat meat only for health benefits. I don't enjoy it. Wow. I did not uh, know that about you. <laughs> yes. Which is a struggle when you don't enjoy something. I've gotten better with it. And thankfully my husband cooks because like I, I couldn't cook meat at home. Like I just, I'm a vegetable. I crave vegetables and salads and smoothies and all of that. Um, but the exact same thing happened to me. Like I was starved all the time. Like I, if you look at how much food I eat now versus how much food I ate then, oh, I ate like massive plates of full food. I feel like I never stopped eating when I was on a vegan diet because I was hungry all the time. And I was like, something is missing. If I yeah. am this hungry all the time and now I can eat like a normal size meal and I am feeling satisfied for four hours. And I'm like, oh, so this is what Megan talks about, which by the way, I've been not vegan for since I met my husband some 10 years now, um, 11 years. But um, so yeah, definitely. It's not something that happens overnight. So what are some of the other, because I want to make sure we get into some of like the personal Megan stuff, because I think this is some of the coolest stuff we're going to talk about today. But, and this maybe intertwines because a lot of the things we talk about with the metabolism outside of food and exercise is some of the lifestyle variables. So I want to kind of segue into some of the other things that we do in our life that's going to impact our metabolism. And then what has been some of the greatest tools for you over this, would you say it's like the last year, two years, three years? Like, when is this like Megan 2.0 transformation start? <laughs> I feel like I'm always evolving, but yeah, I would say probably in the last two years where I really honed in on my stress and what I realized both me personally and in my practice is that the two the two main causes of weight loss resistance is number one, under eating. We've already talked about that, and number two stress. And we can see that in labs. We can see, and I'm sure you're nodding over here. Like yes. this is this is huge. And what happened to me a couple of years ago wasn't weight related. As a matter of fact, I was probably underweight at that point. Um but I was so stressed from, you know, I'm a single mom and my daughter was I think 2 at the time and I'm running a, a business and I just I let myself get to a point literally where I, one day I just couldn't even get out of bed because I was so, my body was so depleted. Um, I just let myself get really overwhelmed. And a lot of it, part of it was not asking for enough help, but a lot of it was inside my head too. And just having this mentality that I have to push and I have to push and I have to produce and I have to win. And, you know, this like hustle mentality that we get. And um, I, I ended up running some labs on myself <laughs> and seeing just how incredibly depleted I was. And that's when I got really serious about it. I was like, number one, I got to eat more. Um, you know, I was way under eating, started building up my calories. Again, um, I started, you know, taking minerals every day, adding minerals to my diet. Um, and then like intentional rest and asking for help and getting a nanny and doing these things that I was like, I can afford this. Um, but I'm just not doing it because I feel like it's a badge of honor to walk around and, you know, be like, oh my gosh, here I am. I'm a single mom and I'm so busy and I run a business and <laughs> do it oh, all oh, for me. Like I'm a hot mess. I'm like, no, like we don't have to identify like that anymore. That's <laughs> not cool. And um, I actually, I had a friend who told me that she was like, it's not cool, Megan. Like 
stop. <laughs> Thank God I had that person in my life. And um, and yeah, I just started slowly rebuilding myself. And I feel now I wake up every day and I feel amazing. I can't even imagine two years ago. It was like, I felt like a train wreck every single day getting out of bed and pushing myself. Well, there's a lot of things we talk about in that, that like, we don't pay attention to how long we're staying in the survival state nope. until we hit this rock bottom where I love on the little by, we talk a lot about like self-reflection and, you know, evaluating things before we can't get out of bed. Or maybe if you're listening and you do identify as that hot mess and you're in that spot, Megan was, is like realizing you can change it today, uh, which I think is, is super powerful. And I think if you had to ask yourself, I'm interested, are you more productive today or were you more productive when you were doing all the things and wearing that badge of honor? Yeah, well, I'm more productive today. And I'm also, now that I have asked for help and I've got, I've, you know, you can think through like, how do I delegate? And this, I'm, this is in my business, right? So I'm doing less in my business because I took the steps to hire people and to train people and all the things, all those things that I need to do. But even if you don't have your own business, I'll tell you a, a practice that I do every week that has changed my life is I think on like maybe on Sunday, I think, okay, how do I want to feel by Friday? And it's, it always changes, you know, but let's say I want to feel, um, I want to feel calm. I just want to feel chill. I want to feel relaxed by Friday. And maybe the next week I want to feel accomplished. doesn't matter. But then I look at my week and say, what do I need to eliminate? And what do I need to add to feel like this by Friday? And that is super powerful because I started just crossing things off my list. I'm like, I don't even want to go to this baby shower. Like, I, I'm just going to say know, no. Just say no. Yes. <laughs> you know, or like, man, I really need to add meditation back in. Like, or I really need to go back to therapy. I really need to do this. Like, th I need to do this for myself. And it's just like this little self-awareness practice that you do every week that can seriously change your life. So we actually just talked about this with Christy on looking at your week on Sunday, but it was more from like an organization standpoint. Like I always look at my week on Sunday to like, know, okay, what do I need to do? What notes do I need to send out? Emails? Who do I need to follow up with? Like it's to keep me organized with what I have on my plate. Yeah. I have never looked at my Sunday of like, how do I want to feel by Friday? Like that is impactful. It's a perfect combination because it's like the practical, okay, this is all that I have to do, but then how do I want to feel? And is there stuff on here that I can actually delegate or delete or do I need to add something? I love that. I love taking the organization plus adding the feel because really at the end of the day with all of this, like what is most important is how do we feel, right? right. Like longevity and our relationships. And, you know, that to me is like when you are feeling good every day, that is the most important thing. It's not what did you accomplish? What did you check off your list? And um, that is, again, what this is all about is little by little, little becomes a lot. And if we can move a step forward and I think feeling good is subjective too, right? Like yes. I might look at my Sunday and my word on Friday is like, I do want to feel accomplished. Or my word may be like, I want to feel like I wrote whatever these articles that were shared and had impact in this space, right? And that might make me feel really good by Friday where someone else might need that you know, I want to feel like I really thrived and got a lot of relaxation in and self-care. And I'm sure that we see this all the time. Seasons of life are so different. So yes. weeks are different. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, I love that. I love that approach. What else like have you found has been really impactful in this Megan 2.0 transformation? So paying attention to how you're feeling, really like being intentional with your time. Yeah. 
Meditation, actually. Um, this is something in the last year. I want to say it was a, close to a year ago. I did a 30-day a challenge with myself where I just said I had a specific meditation. It was like a Joe Dispenza meditation on YouTube. Okay, I was like 20 minutes. I said, I'm going to do this every day for 30 days. And what it did was it helped me continually be able to come back to myself so your, your mind is going to wander when you meditate. Like it's just going to go all over. And it's like that continual bringing it back to center. And the, I started noticing that in my life when things got crazy, because it always will, right, that I was so much better able to handle those situations without spiraling out of control and just like bringing myself back to center and being like, and really just kind of being like, it's really not that big of a deal. Like I can handle this and staying really calm and centered. And now I notice when I don't do it for several days, I just, I get, <laughs> I'm so much more likely to spiral. Yes. I'm like, I need this. This is like air for me. So I've added it to my schedule. It's on my calendar every single day. It's like brushing my teeth and just got to do it. I love. And while we are becoming very obsessed as a practice with the nervous system, mm -hmm. which is what meditation obviously is calming that nervous system. And I think we could argue almost every process, like even in a disease state, a symptom standpoint, a metabolic standpoint, so much of these imbalances happen internally when our nervous system is off. And so a lot of my patients don't know when their nervous system is off until they've experienced a calming state. And then they can now tell yes. when they're imbalanced. I'm so glad you said this. So a lot of the listeners, you guys may be like, you know, I really feel calm. But if you started doing a meditation challenge or getting really tapping into that parasympathetic state, I can guarantee you're going to be able to identify when you're not in that state. Yes. I was actually going to ask you about this earlier and then we moved on. But I was going to say, do you find that a lot of your patients really actually have no idea that they are in such a dysregulated state. Oh, a thousand percent. Yes. A thousand percent. And I think this is where I love what you're doing. Like what we do at STAT is where it's like, okay, let's move the focus away from weight and let's focus in on how you're feeling and your nervous system. Because if I can get you to feel calmer, everything else is going to balance out. Like yes. if we were to take it from like head to toe, right? Migraines, like a lot of migraines can be from muscle tension, right? Hypothyroidism can be from adrenal dysfunction, right? Heartburn, histamine issues, constipation, hives, all of it, joint pain, inflammation. I mean, we can go from head to toe and correlate it all back to nervous system. our nervous system. I know. And this world, we've talked about this this whole season. I feel like it's really funny when I have like things that I'm becoming really passionate about. I feel like it turns into every single one of my episodes. So you guys listening to this season are like, Kristen has like somehow blended the nervous system into every single one of these. So you guys can tell I'm trying to get a point across. But I feel like it is one of the most important things we can do for ourselves in this world because this world is so stimulating. And if we pay attention to everything, all the noise we cannot feel balanced. And so uh, one of the big things we're talking about before is what is balance, right? And so what is balance for you? Balance for you is making sure that you're feeling what you want by Friday and making sure your nervous system feels in check. Do you feel like there is other things that keep you internally feeling balanced is, you know, minerals, hydration, friendships, laughter, like what have been some of the other things outside of the meditation and the intentional utilization of time? I think, and especially this year, I really reevaluated just my entire life and looked at like what is truly important to me. I don't think we take a lot of time to do that. And it's easy to say when you have kids, for example, it's easy to say like my kids are really important to me. Of course they are. But are you really prioritizing them? And are like, is that actually coming out or 
are you spending most of your time working? Are you spending most of the time your time on the phone? And I got really real with myself this year. And it was quite upsetting, actually, to think about how much, you know, I have my daughter in daycare all the t- all day. I have a nanny that picks her up a few times a week and puts her to bed. And to me, I'm thinking like, that's balance, right? Because I need that balance. But then I was like, no, because she's actually the most important thing to me. And being a mom is actually my most important role personally. This is just personally, no judgment on anybody else. Um, but I'm not spending enough time with her. And so one of the things that I'm doing right now is balance, trying to rebalance, which is really hard, but how do I work less? How do I spend more time with her? And so one of the things I'm doing is next week, I'm doing a three day retreat by myself to create the next three months of content. And then that's going to allow me to be able to pick her up from school more, spend more time with her, not be on my phone. Um, So I think it's just like really sitting down and getting getting very brutally real with yourself on what are your priorities and are you actually prioritizing them. And this is something I feel like at my core, because I can tell when I have allowed other areas to creep in, my stress tolerance for the girls goes down. Yep. And that is one thing that I'm like hyper, hyper aware of. We're really our goal at home and Cameron will call me out and I get like really irritated when he calls me out and I'm thankful for it because our goal is from 5.30 to 7.30, there is no phones. That is our time to be together as a family. And so my husband will be like, Kristen, you're on your phone. And sometimes it's so hard when there's like a yeah, fire going on I know. to put it down. And I'm like, but I just have to do this. Two more things, two more things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you're holding me accountable because the more that I let the noise of the world come in during the time with my daughters, the more I'm like, why are you pulling on my shirt for five minutes? Yeah, like, I know. stop pulling on my shirt. But I'm like, you were three. You want your mommy. Yeah. Like, pull on my shirt. Put your <laughs> phone down, right? I like, I. it's funny. I got emotional on with Toy Story the other day. And I was like, okay, it was the weekend. And I was like, okay, if I'm getting emotional during Toy Story, because Andy goes off to college in Toy Story, and he doesn't want to play with his toys anymore. He gives up his toys, and he goes to college. And it was like that moment where I was like, time is so precious. This like time with these young kids is so invaluable. So when you look at like your top priority right now is your mom and Thule, like that period is not going to be forever right? And it's so hard because we get stuck in our days of what do I need to do today to not pay attention to the big picture thing. And when I'm watching Toy Story getting emotional, I'm like, Cameron, what is wrong with me? And he's like, well, it's, it's sentimental. And I'm like, I know it's a mom. It's a mom that these kids are going to leave us. And this is our time. I so I love that you bring I feel that like up. We're both getting teary here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, it is. I know. <laughs> and so I think that there's this like societal pool of, you know, doing it all. And also, nobody can, right? These like right. unrealistic expectations that society tells us. And then there's like the internal pressure that we put on ourselves, right? And I think that if we, I always look back, and this is exactly what you're saying too, is die. I don't know if I've ever, sh- I did share on here with the becoming a CEO episode, but we did an exercise at EO where you had to write like in one year where you're at, three years where you're at, five years where you're at, and your obituary, Oof. which man. Like go through that exercise um, and then figure out like how am I using my time and how I'm going to be remembered. But even putting a number on like Tuli's age, for me, it was the kids. Like in three years, how old are they? In five years, how old are they? How old are my parents? Right? So I think there's like this self-reflection and this core value and like what is your mission in life from a personal standpoint will also guide exactly what you're saying. Yep. And it's just really a matter of, like I said, self-awareness and taking that time to actually do it. 
it's so easy to just be listening to this podcast and you're in the car and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to think about that a little bit. And then maybe you turn this off and you think about it while you're driving. And I just think, no, you've got to sit down, sit down, write it out, like really spend some time on this because it will transform. I mean, it'll, it'll, I think it'll transform your days and your days, of course, make up your life. Yes. And even just that thought, like your days make up your life. It's like, oh, you're right. And what am I doing all day? I don't know. I'm on autopilot. And <laughs> I know, you know, they go by so fast. I know. Are you still, I know there was a period and you might still be doing this. You were really big on journaling. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because yesterday I texted my best friend. We run a journal challenge like once or twice a year. And I was like, we both kind of got away from the journaling thing. Cause you know, it just ebbs and flows, whatever. And I've been more into meditation lately. And I was like, Man, I the last two days I have sat down to journal and I have solved all of life's problems in like three minutes. She goes, Me too. I did it this week. <laughs> and we're like, why did we get away from this? Because because it's that autopilot thing. We think that we're thinking through our problems. We think we're thinking through things, but there's so much popcorn in our brain all the time that it gets kind of buried. And when you just sit down and you start to write, and I like free writing, which if you don't know what free writing is, you can just look it up, but it's basically like, it's not legible. You know, you're not like, oh, hello, this is what I did today. It's just like stream of consciousness. Um, morning pages is a great thing to look up a great practice. And it's, it, it, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, you sit down with an intention and you start writing and you're like, oh my gosh, do you have a certain time of day that you try, like when you were journaling regularly, like to make sure you're consistent with it the same way you do your meditation on your schedule? Or is it a little bit more like when you have a thought in your mind, like pull out the notebook that's always with you? I like to make a habit out of it um, just because uh, obvious reasons. It's a habit, right? Yes. And then to make, make sure that you do it. So what I've been finding that works really well for me is stacking it on top of the meditation. And I know that seems like it could take a long time, but even if you cut the meditation a little short, and it's really, for me, it only takes a few minutes because I empty my mind with the meditation and then I sit down and I'm like, okay, what do I, you know, I might ask a question. I might think like, what do I need to, there's usually an intention behind it. It's not just writing, although sometimes it is. And then, yeah, it's just like a few minutes. And I can start pulling the stuff because a lot of times the solutions to our problems, they're in there. We just have to pull them out. And that's why coaching is so effective, right? Because coaching just pulls the solutions right out of your head. Journaling does the same thing. I love that. I used to do gratitude journals every night before I went to bed. I did that for like ever. And then all of a sudden just stopped. I'm like, why did I just stop doing that? I know. You know, it's like something like a habit just can like come in and come out. Uh, but I always loved doing that because it was just like a way to reflect on all the good that happened in that day as I went to sleep. Because, you know, days and we all have them, right? Yeah. Can feel like, okay, this was a day where there was like a lot of fires put at me or like this was a tough day, but there's still beauty in that day. Always. And um, I try to get, I have to get myself out of my head sometimes when when you run a business or, you know, just even things like we went through a little season with Letty, we're through it now, but like she was a biter. Like we didn't, we didn't have that with Emery. Right. And I'm like, are we doing something wrong? Is this like a parenting? And, and thankfully we're through it. I think it was just like an oral, I can't communicate, got a yeah. strong personality, but you know, it's like just finding that beauty and everything too. The journaling was really helpful for me with that. I have really never been into, and I need to, this is like motivation for me to try it, of just like writing down like the manifesting and the, you know, what's going on in my mind and just like jotting stuff down without a motive. I've really never brought that into my life. 
So I'm, I'm really excited. This is like my challenge for me to like just start writing and just kind just of start see writing. what happens. Yeah. Yep. Just give yourself like five minutes a day to do the free writing. You don't have to keep it. You can throw it away. It's pretty cool what can actually come out. I know like a lot of my patients, when they're feeling stressed, getting it out of their mind and on paper is just a way to clear their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Before bed, a lot yeah. of times can help, especially if you struggle with sleep. Just like yep. getting it out. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we want to end? We've talked a lot about, you know, the importance of protein, eating enough, managing stress, the nervous system, you know, some of the things that were really powerful in your transformation. Is there any other like big takeaways around metabolism? Obviously, it's so individualized. There's so many components to it. But is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with on the metabolism, the whole health? Um, give us your parting words, Megan. Sure. I think the most important thing when it comes to metabolism, and I, I already, I kind of already said this, but it is it's really, it's making sure you're eating enough. It's keep, it's managing your stress. Um, the one thing that we didn't really talk about was muscle. And I think, you know, weightlifting is going to be huge. So, you know, th- those are kind of my, actually, you know what, I'll, I'll give you my, my top three that I, I give clients that come to me that are like, I want to reset my metabolism. I'm like, okay, well, there's not really a reset button, but <laughs> you can get back to factory settings. And it's, it's really, for me, it's three things. It's number one, it's power walking. That's like my new thing is zone two cardio, but nobody knows what that is. It's like, get outside and go. We're for getting VO2 max here. Oh, that's and awesome. we're going to be starting to really educate on zone two training. Good. Because it's so powerful. It's, I, it's, it feels like a trend a little bit, but it's not because if you remember like back in the early 2000s when we'd get on the treadmill and it would say like, you know, the yep. fat, fat burning zone cardio, yes. that's all that's all we're doing. We're doing the fat burning zone cardio. It's really, it's really important for metabolic flexibility and meaning like being able to take yourself from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. So if that's your, if that sounds desirable, <laughs> get your butt outside and start power walk in even just 20 minutes a day. That's it. Okay. So that's number one. That's super easy. Um, weightlifting and then just balancing your blood sugar. And that is really as simple as just, you know, making sure that you're having protein, healthy fat, some fiber, everything we talked about, like getting in your vegetables, eating some protein at every meal, like that's it. And you can still have your carbs, but making sure that you're including those two. And um, you know, and, and maybe coming to stat and maybe getting a CGM and, and now monitoring your being consistent and being consistent. Yes. I mean, I think it's like, we do really well for four or five days and then like the weekends we get totally off and then we get totally off the bandwagon and we don't know why we're not seeing results. Right. I'm like, yeah. it's consistency over time. Like it's- do these things that Megan just said over time and yeah. don't put the pressure for the number on the scale and see what happens. I know. At you, every year we do a challenge where we, I ask my clients to just get rid of the scale for a month. And it's so cool to see how many of them actually then start to see movement with the scale when they add it back in because they're just not thinking about it and it's not dictating what they're eating every day. We need to do um, – there is a girl that I'll have to share this episode with that I love. Her name is Abby, and she started the first body positivity gym indicator. Do you know her? It's called Clarity. Yes. Um, so I love her space, and I'm going to make sure that she knows that we're talking about her on here. But she has a wall where it's smash scales, and I think it is like my okay. favorite thing about this entire gym – is like smash your scales. And we should do, we talked about this. Um, she was on one of the podcasts early, early on is we should all get together. Like we should get all the metabolism makeover, all the clarity and body positivity. We should get all of the stat wellness, like into 
Piedmont Park or something and everybody brings their scale and we should just start bringing like sledgehammers. That would be so cool. I think it would be like such a movement. <laughs> like be office, so powerful. Like office space style. Have you seen that? Where Have you seen that movie? No. Oh my gosh. Where they, it, anyways. They, Is it like, funny? It's hilarious. You should definitely watch it. But the they take their printer, their office printer that they hate and they take it out into a field and just like bash it with yes. a... <laughs> That is what we're going to do. So you guys stay tuned for a date for that because I think some (laughs) scale smashing would be awesome. Yes. Well, thank you, Megan, for being on the Low By Podcast always. And make sure you guys tune into her other episode that was early on. I'll link it to the show notes because we really get into the protein, healthy fat, and fiber. So what we're talking about, you can get a deeper understanding of balancing your plate in that episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.